0: connection with other humans is one of the most important things you can spend your time on earth doing the more you live in isolation from other people the more of a struggle life will be but it's easy to say that not so easy to act on it i spent a lot of my 30s not acting on it because i did the things i thought i ought to be doing rather than focusing on friendship you are listening to made of human also known as the Mo pod a podcast hosted by sophie hagen who is a
1: danish comedian trying to find out how to do life but it turns out nobody knows hey we're back (laughs) we're back we're back we're back it's it's 2020 I hope you are, I mean, it's, it's hard to say I hope you're enjoying it, isn't it, when the world is literally on fire. I hope you've donated what you can to, uh, to the, uh, I mean, to everyone who can help in Australia at the moment. It's so, oh, it's so horrible, isn't it? It's horrible. And then, what, World War Three might be starting, and to make matters worse. Ugh, oh, my back is killing me. I'm in Denmark at the moment. I've been sleeping in so many different beds, uh, one of which you will be uh, hearing today's episode from. No, that that sounds like you're in the bed listening to it. I rec- Okay. <laughs> Basically, it's a two-parter. It's a Mark Watson two-parter, which is now the tradition in the uh, Made of Human podcast, where uh, Mark and I get together on New Year's, around New Year's, and have a chat about. Just have a chat, really. And this time it ended up being that on New Year's Eve, on the 31st, I uh, spent the night at his place. That's what I meant about the bed, uh, because we sat in the bed recording it. And then the next morning, uh, he came back into the room and we recorded another part. And this part is sort of about the past, the past year, and uh, next week's episode is about next year, this year, I guess, in theory. That's what I meant about the bed. So I slept in that bed. Then next night, I had to sleep in an airport hotel. And then the night after that, I stayed in a hotel here in Copenhagen, where I am now doing press for my book, which has just been released in Danish. So my back is um, not a fan, not a fan of my, I was about to say shenanigans. Is that something that people say still in English anyways I uh, I'm gonna let you listen to my my chat with mark he's obviously my favorite person and I mean nothing nothing's easier than speaking to him he's what's the word he encompasses I'm because I'm in Denmark I'm thinking in Danish and my, I might sound strange and I will forget words but he encompasses the Everything that made of human is, you know, he's a an introverted. Uh, is he? In, yeah, I guess he is an introverted. But he's like this very thoughtful, kind. If he knew how to turn on any piece of electronic, I'm sure he would be listening to the podcast himself. Oh, I shouldn't say that because I know he actually has listened to some episodes. I don't know. He says he has, but I can't imagine listening to a podcast episode where you're that close with the host and then not texting them, why wouldn't he text me? Mark, well, he's not going to listen to this one, is he? Because he's on it. I'm going to say that in another episode. Mark, if you're listening, why wouldn't you just be like, hey, great episode. You're lying. You've never listened. Doesn't matter. I'll take that up with him in my own time. Real quick, uh, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, if you're listening to this before January 10th, Oh my god, I hope for your sake there are still tickets left to The World Is On Fire so let's do a show on Friday the 10th of January at the Union Chapel in London. It is going to be one hell of a lineup. Very few of the people on the bill have not been on, well one one person on the bill Two people on the bill have not been on Made of Human. The rest have. It's Travis Alabanza, Megan Crabb, uh, Jolie Bishop, Rosie Jones, Christelle Rasmussen, Scotty Glambrew, Michelle Elman, and Jess Baker. It is an insane... I'm sorry for being ableist. It's an incredible... Oh, insane. I can say that. I'm reclaiming it because I'm insane. It's an insane lineup. It's an amazing evening. And if there are still tickets, that do go and get tickets for that. And then, and I haven't mentioned this a lot recently, so I do want to bring it back because I've not been touring for about a month now, so my tour starts again here in 2020, and I will, on the 31st of January, is my first show in Farnham, then I'll be in Oxford, and then Oxford again, I'm doing two shows in Oxford, just so I can stay in a haunted hotel, I will be in Maidenhead, Ferrum, New Milton, York, Sheffield, Lancaster, Didcot, Aldershot, Canterbury... Glasgow has been announced, Colchester, Cambridge, Leeds, Olnwick, Folkestone, and Bristol. And we are very, very soon announcing Brighton. And I'm just going to tell you right now, the room is too big. It's way too big. If you're in Brighton, uh, please make a lot of new friends that you can bring because i'm the I think the venue is bigger than Brighton itself, so I'm gonna need all of you to come because it's because i've not been I've not done a show in Brighton for a, for many years so i'm gonna need I'm gonna need you all to come. <laughs> That's all I'm saying also if you live in didkid um c- can you get more people i think like five people have bought tickets for didkid anyways also Bristol I think is selling out. never mind. These are all details, but please do come. Uh, tickets on com forward slash tour. And I cannot wait to get back out there. I cannot wait to meet you all. Uh, I'm just... I'm quite excited about this year. I'm quite excited. But in the theme of the episode... Episode? <laughs> the theme of the episode. Uh, this... Um, this, this episode isn't, isn't about ne- next year, about this year. It's about the year that has passed. And it is a conversation between me and my favorite person, um, um, Mark Watson. And if you want to know exactly how we were dressed, go to mine or his Instagram and look at the photo from New Year's Eve. Uh, that is what I want you to imagine uh, that we did Uh, that's how we were dressed on the bed as we were recording this episode. So do enjoy uh, that and do enjoy this um, episode with the incredible Mark Watson. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to get the other liter of my two liters of Baileys that I'm going to be drinking tonight. Will you uh, explain to people what the scenario... Yes, in which you are recording this. I mean, this. I'll do
0: my best, yeah. It's quite a specific scenario. So I suppose the first thing to say is I'm I'm just as a goat and Sophie as an elephant. Yeah. I know this is audio, so it doesn't directly affect your experience, but it, as much as possible, if you can um, imagine us as a yeah. goat and elephant respectively, at all time. maybe we'll post a picture, but maybe we won't be brave <laughs> enough to do that. Uh, the reason is that um, I'm entertaining my children as best I can on this New Year's Eve, And um, we're going to show them The Greatest Showman, which is a film that is sort of like, uh, I was going to say like crack to my kids, but hopefully with less harmful uh, long-term effects. And we weren't sure how to kind of dress up for it, but Sophie already had a goat costume and purchased an elephant costume. And needed
1: an excuse to purchase an elephant costume.
0: She bought it uh, within about 20 minutes of us deciding we were doing a Greatest Showman (laughs) thing. She sent a, a photo of an elephant costume. So we're both dressed as animals. The kids have got kind of spangly stuff on, um, but the difference between them and us is we're really hot now, and it's about four hours. And we haven't even started. The, obviously, we're doing this before we even start the movie.
1: Yeah. So and for it's, now, it's so like eight. It's almost eight.
0: We've got so... probably four hours to do this in, and we we're, we're we're really sweaty already, and the film's quite long. I think. Yeah. And, but also, even when the film's over, I don't think we can really take the costumes off till after midnight because it would feel weird to dress up and I'm then. I'm not sure I've brought anything else. Yeah, that's the other I think th- I have to wear this. You don't have other clothes, yeah. <laughs> I
1: have to go home in this.
0: Ah, oh, so we're seeing out the New Year.
1: Yeah, it's New Year's Eve. Yeah. And it's become kind of a tradition, this now.
0: This us, has us been, yeah. Doing a yeah, but this. A human. I, I don't know if it will become a tradition for us to do it in animal costumes. It's ironic, actually, this is the least like humans we've looked in the times we've been doing this. <laughs> But yes, this this bit this is a familiar bit at least us really, talking to each other. I'm
1: really scared about your children not liking me. Are you? You are. I just. Feel I mean, it's I am as well. Pressure.
0: I, more pressure on me, I think.
1: What for them not to like me?
0: No, I don't care about you. <laughs> but if they don't like me, that's there's much more sort of repercussions. i
1: was really scared they were just going to be like, "Why is she here? I fucking hate her." No, they probably I think, don't swear because they're British.
0: Oh no, they would. I mean, definitely, my son would say that. I think. Um... But no, they like you because you're... Well, for a start, you've, I'm you've, as an you've shown up dressed as an elephant. Yeah, <laughs> if more adults had that sort of commitment to being liked by kids, then <laughs> things would be way better. Almost all of us, as we have, show up dressed as uh, just humans, adult humans, so yeah. you, they're on the back foot straight away. But also they um, they are used to you. They've seen you a few times. They, they know, they get the general idea of you. <laughs> I think with kids, it's uh, actually a lot like with adults, really. Um the first couple of times you meet someone you do sort of think oh I don't know who the hell is this but then if you just k- keep on going eventually you can wear them down if nothing else you've worn them down
1: <laughs> that's my dream do you get this with um, children where you're sort of like you are you reminded of who you were when you were a child like especially if your son looks so much like he you. does
0: look like me there's no doubt about it do you ever
1: see yourself in him or go like do you know like in your parenting like when I hang out with my friends' kids, I, like, my instinct, what my instinct wants me to say to them is usually how I've been raised. Mm. Do you get the same of like, wow, I just said that, that must have come from my...
0: Well, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's odd. Definitely my son does look quite a lot like me and he reminds me of myself in certain ways, but um, there are a lot of ways in which his behaviour is different from mine at his age as well. Like he's quite, I mean, I was, I suppose, quite an emotional child, but he's much more um, sort of angry and um, loves to cause trouble, whereas I like to stay out of trouble as a kid. And um, um, he's quite kind of insatiably energetic, requires diversion the whole time, whereas I used to play my own little games or read books and things. So the ways in which they diverge from you are almost more in your head, really, because you sort of think to yourself... I mean, if if a kid was completely different from you, then you wouldn't feel, um, I suppose, any emotional attachment to them. That's why children do evolve kind of from us. But as it is, enough about him is recognisable to me to think, well, this is basically me, a second version of myself. But then because of that, when he does things that I don't recognise, it's even weirder. It's like watching a film of yourself drunk or something and thinking, that is me, but I don't understand why I'm doing that. That's how I sometimes experience it. Seeing him say or scream stuff that I wouldn't have said myself or do stuff I wouldn't have done myself, but in what is unmistakably uh, the the genetic outfit of me, i.e. basically my face and my voice and all the rest of it, is a a weird out-of-body experience, yeah.
1: How does that feel?
0: Well, uh, it's... I mean, even now I can hear him trying to interrupt this for example and um he's making his point quite kind of aggressively this is a good example of how our behavior diverges actually <laughs> Do you want he's, to go to he's being told by my girlfriend dad's doing something you need to not interrupt him and my son is just over and over again saying but i need to but i need to but i need to whereas if that had been me at nine i would have definitely taken the first instruction to to back off well I'm tempted to see how this unfolds actually I don't really want to move that much because obviously there's this whole goat thing for a start (laughs) neither of us is especially mobile here it feels really odd I think I mean my son is nearly 10 so I'm very conscious very conscious of my responsibility to raise him well Um, but lots of things about his behaviour like any child's behaviour I can't account for because there's so many other influences like his friends, his school, all of it so it's it's really odd it's very um it's very I'm not sure what the word is even but uh it's a real puzzle to um see someone whose behavior obviously comes partly from your own and who who you've shaped quite uh, decisively psychologically that was just the um the slapping of the whatever the hell this costume is made of um <laughs> But on the other hand, there were things, you know, like every day he hears some song or plays some game or does something which I, I couldn't have put into his path. So, and that is something which was not quite as much the case for my parents or anything, cause, just because the internet, because of the, the the range of influences that I had as a kid, were nowhere near as great as my... Of course, I could watch TV shows that my parents um, didn't know about. Or, but I, I quite often think about this. Y- you'll often see in films and TV shows that were made in the 90s or the 80s or before Um the stereotypical parent thing is oh they're listening to this awful rock music these days or oh there's this violent TV show and um those were real concerns of course but what you have now as a parent is that times 20 million basically because the internet is everything that's ever been made all at once it's a weird thing we used to have four channels on TV and that was it so my parents worries basically amounted to What's he watching on Channel Four? We don't know what happens on Channel Four. Whereas the equivalent of that to the modern parent is, um, I wonder how my child will be reacting to being exposed to the sum total of all the thoughts, art, and hate ever unleashed by humanity. <laughs> and of course, you can you can restrict their use of the internet, but that's just kind of. A, I don't
1: think that's really possible, is it?
0: No, it's technically they'll find it possible. On a friend's exactly, phone or... there are there are filters, but that is just a, basically a. a plaster over the the wound of the problem which and it's not really a problem I find it very exciting in the way that my children have access to um the the combined total of everything that humans have ever done but it's also worrying and yeah there is no holding it back um there are certain websites I can restrict I mean YouTube is a good example you can there's a thing called kids YouTube or YouTube kids which um you can you can make sure that you're uh a tablet or computer only plays that, so he's not able to see uh, restricted stuff. But in practice, that just makes them wonder more about what might be on the actual YouTube, the adult YouTube. And, of course, as you say, you've only got to have a friend who's 12, and they probably do have properties. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, yeah, all of this is a challenge. But what it means is, to come back to the original question, um, I'm aware that the ways in which my children, the, the things they're exposed to and the ways in which their brains develop every single day are have hundreds of times more variables than was true of me, I think.
1: I think I'm more curious about your your own... If it in any way makes you reflect about you and if you have any thoughts about yourself and how you were raised and what you became and, you know... Well, Cause I, and I'm saying this because that's how I react when I'm with my friends' children. I have these... I'm immediately brought back to me at that age going... Oh this explains this Or that's why I do that Or I wish that hadn't happened Or I mean not in like well, a deep emotional trauma kind of way But just
0: I quite often see uh, things happening to my son And all my daughter But especially my son And imagine just because he's older I imagine uh, how they might talk about those episodes In future therapy Or in, just in future conversations I quite often This is the thing We're all aware Both you and I And most people our age are aware of the way that the, um, childhood experiences form you, and so I am thinking about that all the time. I am often looking at him, thinking, and part of that, every parent does that, thinking, "Oh, he'll remember this. This will be a great memory for him. This will be something he looks back on." But there is this. The flip side of that is, is am I is this something that is tainting him? There, will this lead him to hate dogs forever? There is a mm-hmm. lot of that, and you can sort of overanalyze it. I suppose I, I definitely do think about it quite. I feel like, uh, in terms of how it makes me think about the way I was raised. Um, my own childhood looking back seems much simpler than my children's uh, is or are because um, the world was simpler but also I was a first child Um, my parents lived in a very harmonious way largely I had a not outrageously privileged but pretty lucky straightforward childhood so anytime I don't feel as if I'm supplying my kids with those things I feel really weird and guilty about it for example I'm not with my uh, wife with the mother of the children anymore so they've grown up in a much more complicated family situation um I my kids have had to travel around much more they've enjoyed lots of nice things as well but I'm um they've had a much more complex and probably muddling um early childhood than I had and you can't help comparing the experience you're giving your children with what you had. I think having said that, um, I mean, I'm sort of happy with the person I've turned out to be, but it's not as if the way I was raised was the only way you can raise people It's impossible when you're looking after a kid to know whether, whether they'll kind of turn out to be what you hope or not anyway. So I try not to put too much pressure on myself. Uh, for example, my son could, could yet turn out to be, um, some sort of great artist or in any field or creator, thinker. Not even a great one. I don't attach any importance to whether he becomes famous or not, but you know, he might end up being uh, hugely creatively fulfilled and alive. And part of that might be because of the um, slightly weird childhood he's had. And I don't know if that would be better or not. Of course not if he's unhappy. But um, it might be that the things I'm trying to avoid exposing him to would end up being better for him and vice versa. So basically... The future is such an enormous unknown um, that every time I think I'm doing it wrong, parenting, I remind myself that nobody um, has a clue. Like my parents gave me a reasonably well a very secure ordinary, uh, safe upbringing and I've ended up in the arts as sort of a risk taker professionally, doing weird stuff, doing things which they couldn't have anticipated all they tried to do was make me happy and safe But they they couldn't possibly have guessed. They certainly would have guessed that I'd be a stand-up comedian. That wasn't a phrase either of them would have been able to come out with in the 80s. Um, Almost everything that I've done would have surprised them, I think, even though they planned to be the best parents they could. So I think there's probably a lesson in that. You do the best you can, but then things probably go off in a totally unprecedented direction anyway.
1: What? I don't... I mean, my memory is the worst. So I don't remember what we were talking about. You remember I've done it before, though, right? I remember, you've done. probably you've done, the yeah. one who's done it the most. And
0: we've spent time together. You, you I know remember who I am. you are. Yeah, 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 yeah okay, sort cool, of. Cool, it's cool.
1: like, a, it rings a bell.
0: <laughs> you, you talk about your memory being bad so often, I sometimes worry there. Every conversation is just... <laughs> Listen, Steve. Yeah, immediately going down the drain.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just, I just don't remember what we've talked about in the previous one, but... To be honest, I don't
0: remember it clearly, because it does no, feel like an awfully long time. Yeah, we do talk
1: about that, and it's you don't know which one of them I'm recording, to be fair. That's true. Yeah. Uh, What's happened in the last year for you? It's New Year's Eve, so and I I know you're kind of you're a reflective person, so am I. And we both like today, we like the turning of the of the time. We like an excuse to think about the past and the future. So we did
0: talk about this last year. I remember that much. Yeah, about 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 New Year's resolutions and stuff. These kind of yardsticks are important.
1: Didn't talk about last year was this year because it hadn't happened yet.
0: Yes, that's right.
1: So, 2019.
0: I'll I'll just say, by the way, that I haven't Mm. ever even listened to last year's one back. The only way I know that it even went out is because of the tweets of listeners. So if you're listening to this, please do tweet us to let me know that it exists because...
1: Oh, did they? I don't even remember that. Oh,
0: well, we had a few tweets, but just enough for me to know that it definitely did happen. Did happen? Because <laughs> if you don't remember it that well, and it's not that I don't listen to the podcast, I just rarely listen to anything. Oh I yeah, own. no, I don't, I don't listen to
1: that. So between yeah.
0: the two of us, this might as well not have happened. <laughs> so we really are relying on people to validate us. I think. Yeah, just let us know.
1: <laughs> Remind us what we talked about.
0: Also, while you're asking me what's happened in the past year, um, we're in the we're at the top in the attic of my house here, and. Um, the town hall is just across there and you can hear the, the bells go every hour. Mm. So as if we needed more of a kind of sinister reminder of yeah. the year about to turn, <laughs> we've literally just heard this dung, dung yeah. four hours to go now until 2020. Um, I think it's been, um, a satisfyingly full year. Sometimes people say, I feel like the year has gone by in a flash. and I, I don't even know where it went. And I definitely don't feel like that. I feel like I've done loads of stuff this year. Um, uh, quite a bit of it with you, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, I've spent lots of time... We've spent lots of time together this well, year. let's
1: try <clears throat> and divide it, because it's a big question, isn't it? Like the last year. But yeah,
0: I, I suppose... I would
1: say personally, professionally, maybe, well, maybe spiritually.
0: I would say personally, uh, I've m- my aim this year was to live more fully as myself. Sort of the aim that everybody starts every year with, really whether they directly say it or not. Your objective must be to feel as comfortable as possible as the person you are to be as as truly as possible the person that you think you should be. And that was definitely a a, a relatively conscious aim that I began this year with because I had been through a divorce, I'd to some extent begun my life again. This year I did several um, material things which continued the process of starting a new life in the virtual as like moving to a new area beginning new projects and things. But more than that, I um, uh, some of the most satisfying things I've done this year have been to either renew friendships or invest time in existing friendships. Like I, in November, not, I went to Japan with my old friend, Tim Key, who I don't think Tim has done the podcast. Has he? No, but I think he, he didn't want to. He, he often doesn't want to talk he, about he, himself. <laughs>
1: yeah, he was very uh, uh, mysterious about the way he said no.
0: Yeah, that sounds exactly like him.
1: But then you got me your other friend Sir so Minchin instead, and I, I accept that as a trade-off.
0: I remember you pinning me against a wall, snarling, get me a <laughs> Tim, name. get me a Tim. <laughs> yeah. It just has to be a Tim, yeah. So after Kia, I went for Minchin, and I don't know where I would have gone from yeah. I know a couple of other Tims, but they're not really comedians <laughs> or people that would normally be on a podcast. Don't care. A
1: grocery, <laughs> grocery shop guy.
0: I suppose I, I'm... Well, I, I'm one degree of separation from Sir Tim Rice. That would be quite good, wouldn't it? That would be quite cool. But I... I, I the very fact he's called Sir suggests that I can't really just text him and say, Hey, will you do my friend's podcast? I mean, maybe that's your
1: 2020.
0: Would be amazing. Goal. I mean, it's, it's basically the same as getting mentioned. It's a, a, you know, like a, it a be musical quite a guy. Good one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's old fat guys related to Maybe on you.
0: once a year I can just serve you up a, a, tim. a famous musical team. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: you went so to Japan with.
0: T- I went to Japan with a team. To tim, watch a uh, sport thing. To watch a sport thing, yeah. And um, it was a very kind of. Um, well, I suppose what's significant about it is, I mean, it was an amazing experience, of course, and I was very grateful to be able to go. Um, I was very lucky to be able to go. It was a huge sport thing, but even had it not been, it would be a big deal to go to Japan for. It was less than a week. It was uh, from a carbon point of view, it was unforgivable, and that's another thing I've been thinking about a lot this year. Um, but leaving that aside, uh, the opportunity came up, and it's the sort of thing I very often in my thirties, my thirties are about to come to an end. I very often not done. Someone says, hey, do you want to do this fun, slightly mad, inadvisable thing? Uh, eight times out of ten, I have said, oh, I really do want to, yeah, but I'm not going to. I'll do the um, sensible thing, which is to work or uh, look after my kids. Or, And this was an occasion when I um, rescheduled the work which needed to be rescheduled, which took a bit of doing. Apologised to various people that I was inconveniencing. Essentially put the... Um, task of just hanging out with my friend for a few days first and it it was a very exciting trip to go on but it wasn't for me it wasn't really about that um it's about spending time with with tim a friend that i've had for 18 years but who i've only spent very small amounts of time with one of my closest friends really but i'm I'm at the sort of age where you could name a handful of your closest friends and still struggle to say when you last spent really satisfying time with them because people's lives get more complicated uh, families and things get in the way and I don't mean get in the way negatively you just have to prioritize those things so this was um that was the most extreme example but several times this year I um found an opportunity to spend two or three days with friends or or even if, if not two or three days I did activities with friends I think that concentrating on friendship has been one of the things I've done most successfully this year um because Why was that important? I think because uh, I, I don't know if we talked about this last year, but I, for the past couple of years, I've been, we've certainly talked b- b- before about the fact that I run quite a lot and um, I trained and, and trained for and ran a marathon uh, now about a year and a half ago. And in the course of that, I realised how much good it was doing me psychologically to run, but um it always been something I regarded as sort of a bit of a luxury, like something I would fit into a free half hour. And after that, I made myself uh, more or less schedule two or three runs a week that was almost non-negotiable in the same way that you do with therapy or that one lots of people do with um, essential tasks. And I've pretty much kept to that. And in much the same way, I started to realize that I thought of hanging out with friends or doing fun things with friends as, um, uh, kind of fortunate bonus which you can fit into a week if, if possible and I've tried to readjust myself to thinking of it as something essential that you need to grow and thrive in the same way as I need um physical exercise and I haven't always it's not as if every week I get to do it but at least a few times a year I need to be in a situation where I'm just purely with friends and also day-to-day as well I interact with friends more now I make sure that I'm checking in on people um Texting people, arranging to meet people even if only for half an hour. I've done that much more consistently this year. Even if some of them haven't come off, it's just ended up being a, a pledge to meet in the new year. At least it's a pledge that I actually mean. I, I'm sure some people listening will be familiar with this thing. If they're at my sort of age, where you. Uh, because you've met so, quite a lot of people that you like by my kind of stage in life, you, you can spend. Um, the greater part of a year saying well we must meet up we must have a drink and half the time you don't mean it or even want to that just becomes a shorthand for this is the end of our interaction I, I wanted to try to differentiate between the people about whom I would just say oh I must meet up with it, and the people I actually meant it about cut off the the former group and focus really hard on that group so I think I've done a- without alienating anyone directly or being mean to anyone I think I've done a quite successful job of curating my friendship group this year by lavishing more time and love on the people that matter and gently letting the people go that didn't matter. And that's something I, again, you can look at that as being quite a frivolous thing to do, but one of the key lessons I've learned in certainly the second half of my 30s is that if you don't invest time in close friendships, then you really are terribly alone in the world. Um, I've said before on this podcast, and I've said it, plenty of times in public that I think that however you define it connection with other humans is the most important one of the most important things you can spend your time on earth doing just because everyone else is also human of course and um, the more you live in isolation from other people the more of a struggle life will be but it's easy to say that not so difficult to act uh, not so easy to act on it I think and um, I spent a lot of my 30s not acting on it because I um, did the things I thought I ought to be doing, rather than focusing on friendship. Basically, these days I treat friendship and um, the cultivation of friendships as being as important as like running to look after your heart or all of the things that were sh- essential. So
1: you've added a new way to focus on yourself.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, looking after well, like, friendships it is sounds a,
1: that sounds selfish. I don't mean it no, but it's, way.
0: it's a form of self-care, yeah, self care, isn't it? Self, yeah. Having proper friendships is a form of self care.
1: Yourself and your own growth and your own. I think so.
0: I think it took me a long time to understand that fulfilling friendships, friendships in which you feel safe and which bolster your sense of self are, um, utterly essential to your sense of who you are. My friendship with you has taught me that, um, all of the people, and there aren't many people like you, but the, the key people I've focused on over the past five years, all of them have, um, contributed a part of my personality to me. And there are loads of different ways of approaching that. I'm not suggesting that you have to text six people every day, it was, but for me, it's really important to be in a constant dialogue with a handful of people to orient myself. He's shouting again, my son. But there we are.
1: i shouting for you. Sorry. It's shouting for you. He
0: is shouting for me, and I will. I might Can try and address just, it yeah, this time. I do yeah. It. What does it get? Why six minutes? Have you recorded something? Yeah. Listen, I will do soon. Me and Sophie are just doing a podcast. You know what a podcast is? Yeah? Well, it's basically like a, a, sh- a thing you put out on the internet and people listen to it. And as soon as we finish doing that, which won't be long, I'll come and watch the thing, okay? You want everyone to watch it? What is it? Like a trailer? Not in What is it? in clips okay well if you want everyone to watch it we will do but you'll have to wait a short time okay why don't you play a couple of games of FIFA or something but the battery should be it should still be charging yeah what battery do you want okay or you could just go down and like hang out for a bit it won't be long Yeah? All right, I'll be
1: I'm keeping all of that in.
0: Yeah, you should... I yeah. think
1: that's what everyone wants.
0: You yeah. they
1: would look into...
0: Yeah, I remember My when that the father. There was that North Korea expert and the kid came in and it was on the it was on oh, live yeah, news. Oh, yeah, that was
1: viral and clip. Yeah,
0: that was one of the most loved things of the decade. So, like, if I can get a bit of that actually. <laughs> that was basically the equivalent of that, yeah, just not as not as visually exciting. It's the same basic thing. <laughs> a, cute. a person struggling <laughs> to maintain uh, work and family life.
1: What have you learned in 2019?
0: Um Well, I think uh, one thing I learned was, I, um, this year I completed a novel. It was the first time I'd finished a book, uh, since 2015. Writing that is, I've finished reading some books since then, although actually mm-hmm. that's not as much of a joke as it should be, because it t- takes ages even to read a bloody book. I know. Let alone write one. <laughs> um, as you know. I know. But write one I did this year, and, um, I, um, this might be something... I might not be right about this, but um, I felt very... Occasionally I'm saying something important, or at least with an attempt at profundity, and I look down and I still am just as a goat. It's amazing how quickly you forget you're in costume, isn't it? You're
1: just a goat drinking a very fancy glass of red wine. Mm, so- and you're sitting in a very... Like draw me like one of your French girls, kind of way. I know,
0: I know. Yeah, I don't quite know (laughs) what my vibe is here, but it's somewhere between babe, goat, and normal me drinking. Yeah,
1: teenagers on TikTok would say is that you pass the vibe check. That's the latest. I don't know that phrase. the vibe. I've only
0: just got used to people saying this is a mood.
1: That's if a that's over now. I think I bet it is. It's if a boomer is like okay.
0: I've passed the vibe check. Th-
1: well, I'm not a teenager, I'm not allowed to say. But, but
0: that's what it means. It I, means think
1: people, I think you would pass the, the vibe check.
0: The vibe has been found satisfactory. <laughs> okay. So. Wow, I hope I passed the vibe check. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Um,
1: you wrote a novel? So Can I, a novel. I say that I liked it?
0: Yeah, you were one Can of I the very small handful of people that have read it so far. I
1: really, really liked it.
0: I mean, I really appreciate it, obviously. Um,
1: I read it in one go because I couldn't put it down. It's really, really good.
0: I... I'm happy with it, and but I think um, I haven't really. It will. I've been t- talking to the publishers. The publisher's already in place and everything, so it will come out probably in the autumn. Uh, and they are very keen to try and make it as successful as possible. And um, people, are, my agents, are trying to sort of, you know get it uh, to be bought by a TV company or adapted film, all this kind of thing. The thing, that, the type of stuff that happens. Uh, when you've written a novel but which pretty much never really comes to fruition or you're very lucky if it does but the thing is and I might go back on this in, in fact you'll you'll you will see me go back on this but I basically I think I don't really care how successful the book is too much because I genuinely do feel like it was the best book on this occasion that I could have written that it's the best version of itself that it could be and that I took enormous satisfaction it wasn't all fun there are times when you're stuck and you the longer it goes on, the more sick you are of it. All of this. But basically, I, I took massive satisfaction from the process of uh, writing it. I don't really like fireworks, but yeah, there's going, going, going to be a lot more of this, this. All right, I also fucking hate fireworks. <laughs> I think <laughs> I've... people who do it. Yeah.
1: You're a more caring, empathetic person than me, but I hope they all die in a fire.
0: In a fire yeah, caused by the, by the fireworks? Like you hope that they killed themselves, set them off.
1: And just fly back into their mouths. I yeah know it's an irrational, probably caused by trauma, kind of fear
0: they are um, awful though I mean fireworks are hate, awful. let's be selfish. quite honest, yeah,
1: it's selfish and should be punished. I hate it.
0: They alarm a lot of people and animals,
1: and um, yeah, sure, it's because of the animals, but also me
0: it's mostly about me as well like i'm <laughs> so not I'm, I'm not... not much of a fan of animals, but every year, I pretend to be really into the cats and dogs yeah. in order to make a preachy point about how people shouldn't <laughs> alarm cats and dogs with fireworks. But it's basically us we're talking about and yeah I tell
1: you, when I was like five, my mom lit a firework inside the house. Because you thought it was like a candle.
0: No, you never did but tell me the that. The whole
1: flat house went on fire. Oh, my God. Well, look, We're like hiding under the table. Th- I
0: mean, I, you know, someone else is paid to be a therapist, but I feel like there might be a possible connection between that <laughs> and, and your fear yeah, of you fire. I'm
1: not in a rush to get it fixed because I just feel like I'm... I, I agree, I just don't think it's fun. I thing. don't even have
0: a, like a trauma origin story, but I just... I, well, be, but I um, definitely am... Uh,
1: lightning, though. Yeah, I don't like... Sort of the same it is
0: basically the same impulse. Yeah. I don't like sudden loud noises or really? flashes or anything like that. And... Um, but I still wouldn't mind if it was, like, a public firework display. It's the fact that people yeah. just throw them around in their gardens and stuff. Oh. I, if we have to have fireworks, I think there should be one display a year, and it should be the one they have in Sydney. And they, then yeah. they can just have that, and we can oh, watch... Insane. People can watch it on TV if they want, yeah. I hate
1: it. <laughs> anyway.
0: anyway. Um, so yeah although it's um th- this is the sort of thing that people creative people like you I me mean, say a lot and then fail to live up to, I think it's true to say that I learned from the experience of writing this book that if you want to make something enough and if you enjoy making it while you're making it, then that is its own reward, and you don't need to worry too much once you've finish making it is something which writing a book can teach you in a way that perhaps doing a stand up show can't because. You know, we both know that if we get a show ready for, say, Edinburgh, as we are, um, even if we are delighted with the show, it's almost impossible for your reaction to it not to be changed by the experience of doing it at the festival. The reviews, even if not, even if you don't care about the reviews, you're, you're people, you're aware whether people are talking about it. Basically, mm-hmm. comedy is quite a. Um, kinetic organic thing as you're making the show it is already changing because people are reacting to it and that changes your reaction to it and so the um, amount you are satisfied with one of your comedy shows is even if it's hundred percent it still feels like a changeable hundred percent or if nothing else you become fatigued by doing the show over and over again and you' come to hate it whereas with this book and I still haven't finished everything it'll still need but I, I do feel as if I made a thing which When it comes out, slightly unlike a comedy show, I'll be able to say, this is now finished. You can have it if you want or not. I like it. Um, And crucially, I really enjoyed the process of making it. And that's a lesson which, it's not as if I learned that for the first ever time this year, but every year I need reminding that if you want to make something, then you should do it and enjoy doing it. And then as soon as it's over, say, I have done that now and forget you ever did it. And a novel is great for learning that lesson because it takes ages. And if you're not enjoying it, then you won't finish it. You have to like it. So I learned about myself afresh that I love uh, creating... I love writing, I love to create things of that kind. I love long-form fiction and I don't need to be held back by writers. I hadn't written a novel for four years because I didn't have a publisher... Um, my, other, my previous couple of novels didn't do very well commercially, so I'd come to think there's no point in me even doing that. But there is a point. The point is you wrote something that you thought was good. And I I'd say this because there might be people listening who um, don't even have a publisher or a deal or any of these things. They just want to write things or are in the middle of, or not even writing. Basically I, I do think creativity is worth pursuing for its own sake because it's one of the things that keep you human. And You can very easily get bogged down by worrying what people will think about. And it doesn't even just apply to creative projects. Almost anything you want to do in life, you can talk yourself out of doing because of a fear of other people's reactions. This year, partly because of the book and partly because of being in a happier place, I've learned other people's reactions are not that important. Your reaction to what you're doing is... Important.
1: And is that something you have both professionally and privately or like psychologically?
0: I think the two go together, yeah, or the the, the multiple versions go together. I, I think I've been in a um, much healthier, happier place this year because I'm in a good relationship, because I've learned to look after myself better because of people like you. All of these things contribute to um, entering a creative process with confidence. You think, well, I suppose you think, well, even if this book is shit, uh, I'm alright. Whereas, if, if you feel as if uh, this is all I've got, everything hinges on whether or not I'm a good writer or a good comedian, musician, cook, whatever it is, you, th- a lot of people feel as if you create your best work in that kind of desperation mm. because of the stereotype of the tortured artist. And perhaps that does happen for some people. But on the whole, I don't think it's sustainable. I think you need to be in a good place mentally in order to. And it doesn't mean you can't be vulnerable, you have to be vulnerable, sensitive maybe a bit wired to write. I still am in a state of high vulnerability and um, over-sensitivity because uh, if I wasn't, I wouldn't be writing anything at all. But you don't need to be miserable or insecure to make things. And if you are, you will find it harder, I think. So I definitely learned that all over again. And I've learned various minor lessons as well, the thing about friendship. Um, I think, I mean... Just recently, we, we uh, there was the election. Of course, a sort of fairly disappointing evening that we spent mm. together, and I, um, not just from the result, but from the entire process, I learnt another lesson which I already kind of knew, but which I, I had sort of confirmed to me, which is that uh, electoral politics, the sort of politics that uh, involves people fighting it out in Westminster is not the only way that we can influence the world. And if you have beliefs which just don't seem to square with what most of the world thinks, it's not most of the world, but if you live in a situation where where the Tories appear to have um, eternal grip on our politics, Trump is in charge of America, and so on, um, it's, of course, very important to continue fighting for the things you believe in politically, but I also think it's possible to just... Uh, help out locally, try to make a difference to people individually. So basically, again, this was not so much a lesson learned as a, a confirmation of something I really thought, but if the world isn't going the way you want and if you lose faith in systems like politics, that doesn't mean you have to lose faith in any prospect of change or hope. You just have to find your own ways to influence things. On the night of the election, while I was with you, I tweeted a thing saying, if you're feeling unhappy about this and you want to talk about it, not just the result of the election, but anything, um, then I'll my uh, DMs on Twitter are not officially open because I've been warned against doing that, and I, there's only so many dick pics that I can <laughs> expose myself to. Um, but in principle, they are because I'll follow anyone that asks me to, unless I have a very good reason to think not. And um, that's about the third or fourth time this year that I've done something like that, it offered myself up as a, a completely free vehicle for people just to chat to and every time it does um it results in enough people getting in touch with me that i feel as if um i've made a small but significant difference to people and i'm lucky to be able to do that because i have enough twitter followers that but the the principle i think applies can apply to everyone which is if you think that you're not getting value out of life well i know this is a cliche and it's the sort of thing you get on like a fridge magnet or a bookmark but attempting to give value to other people is one of the best ways to boost your own sense of what is valuable in life i think and i'm unashamed about that um i i, I had 10 or 15 good conversations with people over twitter after the election who were worried about a range of things most of them not directly related to the election the election result uh, or the climate had just triggered things they're worried about in each of these cases i said to the people i'm not an expert and you should seek proper help if it's appropriate but i will just chat to you for a bit and i did and i felt good about it i felt good about myself and i don't think there's anything to regret in the fact that when you do things like that you're partly doing it for yourself of course you are people will often say all altruistic acts come from desire to make yourself feel good and that's probably true it doesn't mean that they're not valuable and uh so every time and it doesn't have to be connecting with strangers. I, I don't want it to be... A, the last thing I want to do is for it to be my gimmick that um, every now and again I say, hey, sad people on Twitter, chat to me, because that would be just me being a dick then. But if I can do stuff like that slightly under the radar and it makes me feel good, then I'll take that good feeling, basically.
1: It's one of those things where when you said you were going to do it, I was like, don't. <laughs> do not. Do not this is ridiculous and people are going to be so weird. And then I know a 98%
0: of the time when you say that, I, do, I don't do the thing as well. I, I, I always <laughs> but, do what you say. But this
1: was the thing where I was like, um, I was like, Oh God, I was really nervous sort of because I have my share of weirdos cause I am one. So I attract them and I totally get it. Like I, and the thing yeah. about weirdos is that often uh, we don't understand boundaries that well. So I was afraid that that was what was going to happen. I yeah. I really put a lot on you and I got really nervous for you. And then it, every single time it worked out really well and I had to kind of check my own response to that and be like, oh, I'm only doing that because I have some kind of boundary issue myself so I wouldn't know how to set the boundary. And then I re- around the election I got so sick of social media and the way, yeah. the, way the conversation is happening yeah. on social media and I found myself thinking, oh, maybe I should just do it like one-on-one and then I was like, oh my God, he was right all along and I don't like not being right. And I don't like having to admit that I was wrong about things. I've noticed
0: that about you. But in <laughs> fact, where you were concerned, you probably are right for you. Because I, oh, yeah, I feel like... for my own
1: mental health and also for the, the kind of people that I... Well, you'd get much me. more
0: extreme yeah, yeah, personalities, which is no disrespect to anybody.
1: Of, no, no. I mean, again, I get it. I, have, I am one myself. and I, would, I have done the same thing. Um, but... So yeah. I'm definitely right for me. But I think I was just... I think I was projecting that onto you. Being like, don't do that. Because I was nervous myself. I think but it's ha- one of those things where I realized shit this is, it just works really well for you.
0: It works reasonably well because a, a handy thing uh, about where I am is that I'm also quite an extreme personality, but I successfully masquerade as a <laughs> relatively mainstream personality <laughs> um just listening to, no it's fine listening to hear whether my children um Winding up with my girlfriend, but it sounds if they're doing some sort of fun game. It sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. It yeah. sounds like fun. Um, yeah, so as a result, um, the sort of people that follow me on social media are... Um, like, maybe... Uh, well, I don't attract, and I would like to, but I don't attract people uh, from a, as diverse a range of groups as you do, probably. I
1: think we have quite some of... I mean, a lot of the people are the same people who follow you and me.
0: Yeah, well, especially, yeah. Like I get place, loads of people from you, unmistakably. There was the guy that un- showed drank
1: a gallon of milk and then threw up during a show. He turned to me and was like, I recognise you from TV. Yeah. So
0: that's,
1: that's our mutual fan.
0: <laughs> I know, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think it's more about how they see you. And I don't think they... Yeah. I think they tend to see me a bit more as a someone they can tell all of their trauma to. And maybe yeah. with you, they'd be a bit more...
0: Yes, I think capable. I'm in a nice situation where people tell me some of their trauma, but then also, and also, it's often, if I say manageable trauma, it will sound as if I'm demeaning them. It's not. But, yeah, the stuff, the the, the things I get when I uh, put these invitations out are not, um, like, historic abuse stories mm-hmm. or th- things that would require specialists, at least not normally. They're normally just, I have no money, I don't know what to do. Or, um, I. I Desperate to change my job, I do not have the courage to do that, or I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in this behavioural pattern. Things which a sympathetic ear can at least help with, but which don't make me think, ah oh, shit, you shouldn't be talking to me. Please go. And it, occasionally, somebody says something which I immediately advise them to go and talk to someone else about. Um, but I like doing it, and as I say, I'm I'm comfortable with the fact that I like doing it because it um, gives me a sense of worth and well being. I also hope that it gives that to the other person. So I suppose it sort of is a lesson learned. Doing things like making it consciously selfless acts are always also partly selfish, but that's fine because you have to be partly selfish to survive. And it's sort of win-win as well. well um, you
1: said that a few years ago?
0: No, I don't think... Well, a few years ago I placed almost no uh, importance on my own well-being at all really I mean of course that's not true I still lived a privileged life I still I still did a lot of stuff because I wanted to do it but I spent no time thinking about what I needed or what was important for me um, to survive the phrase self-care meant nothing to me I I I basically had resigned myself five years ago to um, living Uh, just carrying on surviving making the best of the arrangements that I had in place i lost interest in the fact that I was a person that could be happier I I was just kind of getting by Um, and that's the other reason why I often try to um, i was going to use the word preach it's much too low to the word but the reason I try to spread quietly spread messages of hope and change and stuff, not politically but individually to other people online is that um, I really am in a a far better situation than I was five or six years ago and I don't think at the time I would have believed that was possible so I like to be able to say to other people um, that that can also happen to them but I'm often aware that I um, all the time I had a good job and I had some money and stuff so like I've I've not gone anywhere near as low as it's pretty easy for uh, someone that's regarded as a minor celebrity or even if people don't know who I am it's obvious from my Twitter that I have a certain amount of status or fortune in the world so you have to be careful of saying hey just like me you could be you, this happens every exam season when there's that thing of people saying hey I felt my exams and look at me I've turned out great and I, I never think that helps kids much <laughs> I once one year I did a tweet taking the piss out of that school of tweeting. thats one of my most popular ever tweets. So the only, I really landed with the, uh, 16 year olds for a brief moment there. I massively passed the vibe check, um, <laughs> because those sort of tweets missed the point, which is that, you don't know, the individual struggles of that person. So in the same way, I don't like too often to say blandly, Hey, I used to be really depressed and now I'm happy. So that could be you too. Cause I don't know if that does apply to other people, but I believe it can apply to people. Um, the most popular tweet I've had in my history in my ten years on Twitter was when I was in Dubai with you, and I just tweeted saying, "I'm really enjoying my life." And even two or three years ago, I never thought this was possible. But now I feel great. So just bear in mind, things can change. And I tweeted that in a very casual way while we were by that pool in Dubai, and um, I went insane. My phone n- nearly exploded. I had I don't know what I ended up with, but it was easily the most uh, retweets and likes I'll ever get for a tweet. And um, like anyone, I like. I hope it's not just me. I, I like to think most people in my situation would have thought, "How can I more often do that?" <laughs> <laughs> how, like, how can I command that much attention again? But the reason, of course, is that it was very a like, reasonably rare thing to happen on Twitter—a pure expression of. It wasn't. I didn't even. I didn't even tweet it to help other people. If I had, it wouldn't have been as. Popular, I was just my own brain caught me off guard going, Hey, things great, and that somehow I tapped into something that people wanted to hear at but the people time. I also
1: smell the authenticity,
0: that's right, because you'll see 30 tweets like that a day, yeah, but then I see all a lot of
1: doing that, hoping that one of them will.
0: Yeah, that's the and thing. It
1: just feels like you need this so much that you're probably not okay.
0: Yeah, there are loads <laughs> of people, why that, it go you, there are certain accounts that tweet 10 times a day yeah. going, Hey, I don't know who needs to hear this, yeah. but. You are great and you were blessed and you'll be amazing and it turns out not many people do need to hear it, cause yeah. it you know and um but yeah, I learned from that that um people do need to hear uh, positive messages, but as soon as you appear to be serving them up for them, they won't like it, which is right. And it's true, it's appropriate that the 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 most people have ever reached with a message of, hey, things could be alright was when I wasn't trying to reach anyone with a message, mm-hmm. I was just saying it. So that's sort of my approach to this as well. I never wake up and think, today I will continue with my campaign of, do you want to talk to me about your problems? It it always follows from me just in a a moment thinking, hey, maybe I should do this. and That's how I'll continue to do it, I think.
1: We're um, going to end soon, and then we're going to go and celebrate the new year.
0: And then begin again.
1: Whatever it was your son wanted to show everyone. Uh, But this, I felt like the first part should be the year that has passed, then tomorrow morning we'll do next year.
0: Yeah, that is such a I feel like way that's, of we'll breaking it up, isn't there. it? Yeah.
1: So to sum up this year, is so anything you haven't said? Anything you wanna? Um, like if you were to do like you're like the queen, you're gonna do the New Year's speech. Oh my god, the Danish queen had a cold during her New Year's speech. She was like she blew her nose during the New Year's amazing. speech. Amazing. Is it live? Yeah.
0: Because our Queen's one, like, obviously is filmed in advance, oh, so that alive. could never happen. There was happen.
1: one point where she fucked oh. up the, uh, the sheets were in the wrong order. Oh, I think she so said this, yeah. She said right, but then she was just, like, she was that bringing is... it.
0: <laughs> I don't think they would have dared to do it live in this country for, like, ever, but especially oh, not now.
1: Ours is pretty cool. And she, I know. She full-on blew her nose on national TV. That's amazing. <laughs> Anyways... So if, if the Queen
0: blew be... her nose, if our Queen blew her nose during the recording of it and they kept it in, people would lose their shit. They'd love yeah. It. Yeah. it. People would be like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah she's but of really course, like cool. um I think, I, I mean, it's been a good year. I'd give it eight out of ten, probably. Um, b- because, I mean, professionally things have gone well. But personally... Uh, more importantly, I've learned not to react to either highs or lows quite violently. And it, basically, I've learned to look after myself better and value myself more highly, which means that everything else that happens doesn't touch me in quite the same way. Uh, the reason it's not 10 out of 10 is that I still haven't done that perfectly. There have still been loads of lows, most of which I inflicted upon myself by through my reactions to things. Plus there lots of things haven't gone my way this year but and you would be the first person to remind me of this you you cannot have a 10 out of 10 year professionally because you will not get everything go your way um and you can't have a 10 out of 10 year personally either because it'd be a very rare year where almost every week the stuff you wanted played out exactly but you can um you can have some control over your responses and i've got way better at that and i'm so much better at that than i am than i was three or four years ago so my hope is regardless of how the world might sort of beat me up over the next few years i'll always experience the year on my own terms like okay that happened i know how to deal with it and if that is the case then it should never be less than about seven or eight out of ten um I mean, tomorrow I'll ask... Or maybe I'll ask you now. If you had to give your year a score out of 10 now, what would you do? I know it's it's a really stupid way to talk about an entire year of your life.
1: I think it's probably a five. But I'm quite forgiving about it. Like, I know exactly why it was just a five. Uh And everything's just to do with something I can control now. Yeah. So it's like... It could never have been more. Like, I couldn't have done it better. Right. It was... Well, maybe it's the opposite. It was out of, completely out of my control. And I'm kind of okay with that. Because sometimes yeah. you need a five. Sometimes fives happen. And I think yeah. I, the five has happened because I've spent a lot of time working on making me the sort of person who will always have sense. if that makes sense. Yes, I do understand as It's been it a lot good. of yeah. working. It's been a lot of psychological... Yeah. ...working. Yeah. I was uh, just taking yeah. a lot of energy from other things, I think. Yeah. So, like, emotionally, psychologically, it's been kind of tricky. Yeah.
0: But it's a five that, with a view to investing in future. Yeah, I'm okay with five. Nice. But like yeah, yeah. five
1: had to happen. Yeah,
0: yeah, I would say I've had years in the past that probably were like fours or fives which paved the way for higher scores in the future. Yeah. But the difference is I didn't know at the time that they yeah. had to happen, I don't think. I'm
1: painfully aware. <laughs> I don't think I
0: came out of it thinking... Because I was not analysing myself the way that you, you do. So I probably just thought, oh, that was really shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's quite a rare gift to be able to come out of a year that you have a lot of reservations about, but say, oh, I know exactly why that was. And,
1: uh, 15 yeah. years in therapy, mate. Yeah, <laughs> by gift, I mean,
0: uh, yeah, I very expensively expensive bought commodity, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think, to summarise your, like, from the outside this year, and this is going to sound... It's probably going to sound like a condescending thing, but I don't mean it like that. You've really stepped up. Like, it's... Like, you've really... Like, from what I've seen, you've just really... You've surprised me so many times by just where I was like, oh, I didn't know I was expecting less than this. And not in a negative way, not like, oh, you probably can't even. There's times where I thought you might take a step back, you've taken a step forward. And I've that's like, good. That is, it's been really amazing to watch.
0: I hope that's true. I've definitely tried to, and you know, I. I yeah.
1: It's been really, I've been really like, holy shit, you just took control there. that was amazing you really chose you and that is so having only like properly known you for a few years yeah it's really great seeing.
0: well I hope I can continue that trend that one we'll talk about next year when Mm. it's appropriate which is tomorrow which is next year but that that will be the aim I I think if this is an 8 out of 10 year I also couldn't have had more than an 8 it's been the best year that I could have asked for but remains my actual personality remains a work in progress basically like yours like all of we those. all
1: do thank you so much for doing this part one
0: I mean I'll see you. I'll see you not even tomorrow is it I mean I'll, well,
1: we'll probably not. I mean, I'll see you
0: downstairs
1: I'll see you we see I'm going to go watch a video or whatever it was you're something to show us yes a- then we watch a video film how much he like, likes me because I'm dressed as an elephant
0: yeah, I'd be impressed if, if that's exactly what it is but you never know <laughs> Imagine if he's done this beautiful, moving six-minute <laughs> tribute to, to you with loads of slow-mo and like, classical music and stuff.
1: <laughs> Turns out he was actually mine all along. <laughs> and he somehow
0: got some soft-focus photos of your childhood <laughs> and things like that. Oh, that will really lead now me I'm to reassess listen, his so iPad so. time.
1: <laughs> I'll teach him by the end of this year. Things much for doing this, Mac. Uh Thank you. Oh, do you, you should plug, plug something. Because people might just only oh, listen to this one.
0: Yeah, if they hated it.
1: Yeah, they might not listen to the second one. So catch the ones that might not listen to the
0: second one. Plug something. Oh, plug. Oh, I yeah. suppose the novel. Can you
1: pre-book it yet?
0: No, Pre- you can't. It, I don't think it will come out until about October. But you can at least remember. It's called Contact, and um, it's about some of the things we've been talking about about it's the connection really between um, humans, basically, and how we can how we can live better by uh, understanding each other. So um,
1: it's like a really deep, emotional, almost like M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, conclusion? Where you go? Oh shit!
0: <laughs> well, I've changed that a bit since you read it, but okay. it still is that. It still is. Hopefully, that. <laughs> no, I feel
1: like it. it'll um, you can change the main. Bit so then I'll.
0: Um, the way this is better than a plug because this will. People will now look it up, but they won't be able to do anything about it yet. So hopefully, this will now mm. nag away at them, and they'll remember yeah. it. And, when and see they'll it be frustrated. Under, it's a tease yeah. plug. Yeah.
1: Well, go follow you on all social media. And I'll definitely your do newsletter. that.
0: And, and yes, I'm gonna. Oh, I'm then gonna. you'll
1: definitely be notified when it comes out.
0: Yes, and I'm gonna do the newsletter every three weeks in the coming year, which yeah. is. Follow I'm follow you on Instagram, me.
1: even though you're so bad at it. I do it like once, it once every twenty-five every years, years. Yeah.
0: Year. Yeah, this would be a waste if this wasn't Instagram. Exactly. I suppose. This yeah, isn't very
1: Instagramable.
0: Um, but definitely tweet me. That's my main thing. Yeah, yeah, tweet
1: you that you've seen this, and then
0: I'll know this happened.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year. That was Mark Watson, and after this, we went to watch The Greatest Showman with his uh, children and his wonderful girlfriend Leanne. And I mean, by by the time it was ten p.m., I could have fallen asleep. Don't know about you, but New Year's, not really my thing. I drank about a gallon of Baileys. It was, um, and then my back got broken. I'm over 30 now is what I'm saying. Basically, a massive thank you to, um, massive thank you to Matt Watson for doing that. Uh, stay tuned, I was about to say. Uh, get, look forward to next week, where I speak to, oh, look who just texted me. Let me just check what he wrote. Maybe he wrote that he had actually listened to an episode. Well says so he was going to send me an email about work. <laughs> no compliments in that one. Now, uh, the next next uh, conversation we have is going to be on Wednesday. I because it was all a bit chaotic and we had children shouting uh, a lot, we didn't do the extra bit, but I will do that with him at some point. So it will come up on Patreon for the people who support the podcast at some point. I promise that. Um well, and if you go and sign up for Patreon and support the podcast financially, you will get some of these extra bits, which is uh, this short, tiny six question interview that I do with the guests after the main recording with stories such as what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done and stuff like that. And it is it's very fun and I really enjoy it. And so will you. So I want to say thank you to all the people who do support. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful if there's any requests, anything you, any thoughts you have about the year coming, please do let me know. Now, I'm very aware that the lineup currently on the Mopad is incredibly white. I know that it's not, and there's no excuse. I'm not going to sit and excuse it. You know, I obviously haven't been trying hard enough. I've not been looking hard enough. I've not been planning well enough. I take that on me. I am. I just wanted to know. That I'm aware of it, which means that obviously I'm going to try and do something about it. Uh, I'm a one-person industry here. <laughs> I am. Uh, things are tricky, but I hope that, even though intentions don't generally mean shit, I hope. I hope it does. <laughs> what a shitty thing to say. I'm working on it. I hope you'll have patience. I apologize. Now for the people who do support me financially on Patreon. I love you so much. If you give more than $5 per episode and you sign up to be a friend of the podcast, I will say your name at the end of the episode, which is now. So I want to say a massive 2020 thank you to Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, uh, oh, January, that's now. Oh, shut up, me. Andy Walker, Anya Knoblaug, Autumn Blue, Sky, Barry Nelson, Caitlin, Cat Porsey, Cherry Winter, Claire McAuland, Danny Beckett, Daniel Rafishit, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Fenella Don, Privacy of Sorrows, Sorrow, <laughs> Aurora Terratops, Gillian Davidson, Grace Ann, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minot, uh, Ida Sögerlarsen, Josie, Kathleen Gudmansen, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, uh, Chrissy Nicholson, Lily and Harry French had not... Have not had. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you've if you listened before, you know that uh, Lily and Harry French have a tendency to change their username. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of the new one, uh, which is Lily and Harry French have not had drinks with Tim Mention. <laughs> Very funny and touche. And <laughs> I have. M Dash, Maeve Houlihan, Hooli, Maury Fraser, Megan Roberts, Tigorific, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Finne, uh, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Furley. Rachel Phillips, uh, just taking three Rachels. Ragdoll, Rianne, Reen, Rian, Reen Rian Rivers, Rianne Rivers. Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, Russell Hughes, Sarah Fairer, Icosed, Sarah L oh Sarah Brazel, Sarah Plumen. That's four Sarah, Sarah's winning. Susie Tyler, Victoria Green, Victoria Layton. Thank you so so much for supporting my podcast. I hope you're going to enjoy the 52 people. We are going to have in uh in two thousand and twenty so far we 've had the wonderful Stephen Bailey and now we have Mark Watson. I hope you 'll enjoy the rest. I want to say a massive massive thank you to you for having for all of your support doesn 't matter when you started listening, when you started supporting. if you've given me any support since episode number one, I am super super grateful. Thank you so so much for listening. Thank you so Mark for doing this episode thank you to Dave Dave Pickering for editing this episode, Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle. Uh oh, oh oh god this is way too late to say this but Harriet Brain is doing a show. Uh she's very very funny. She's a comedian. Please go check her out and go to her Twitter, her website, wherever she is, and figure out when she's doing her new show. It is spectacular, right? So thank you to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle and just to Justine McNigel for the logo. And uh thank you to um to <laughs> to Mark's house. Thank you to Mark's house for having me uh, and letting me record this episode there. This podcast was produced by Dying Alone Limited. I will speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.